0: Happy Sunday and welcome to Bible Deliverance's Sunday morning virtual service. Thank you for joining us this morning. We ask that you enter into a time of praise and worship with us and immediately following that we will go into the Word of God. again and thank you for joining. The lyrics to the song convey the character of God. As the words say, if you're feeling small, when 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 your tears are in your eyes, I'll drive them all. I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough and friends just can't be found, I will lay me down like a bridge over troubled water. God is the only bridge that can carry us over troubled waters, the only bridge that can guarantee that the land it carries us to is safe and offers freedom from the shackles of the enemy. This morning, the sermon topic is the view from the bridge. Now, for those of us who have not been saved all of our lives, we remember Take it to the bridge being a tagline in a few of James Brown's songs. I recently learned what the term means to a band and to a musical composer. The bridge is an, an instrumental section that features a new melody or a new rhythmic line. I want to talk briefly to the saved and the unsaved, the leaders, the followers, the rich and the poor. And I proclaim that it's time that we take it to the bridge. It's time that we as a people, as a society, change the melody, the rhythmic line that we have been singing and dancing and swaying and living to. For the remainder of this week, if you follow our Good Morning Truth Morning inspiration and our newly introduced Biblically Speaking Politically segments, you will hear the rest of this series. If you're not currently a follower, I urge you to go on our website and subscribe. For the remainder of this week, I am going to continue in this series, The View from the Bridge. I'm going to address some specific challenges that we face every single day biblically as we stand on the bridge between the wilderness and the land of freedom. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you today thanking you for your grace and your mercy and even your patience, O God, as we have walked outside of your set boundaries. We have been disobedient to your word, God. Lord, speak to us today. Let your word not just challenge us, but let it change us, O God. Let it not entertain us, but inform us as you give us directives as to how we should move forward as individuals, as a culture, as a body of believers, as agents on assignment for your kingdom. We give you glory and honor as we say, open up our ears to hear, our hearts to embrace and our minds to absorb. Glory, oh God, glory, glory, glory to your name, oh God. Amen, amen, and amen. The view from the bridge. The Lord gave me this sermon topic for this series because on a bridge, if you stand in the middle, you get to see just enough of what's behind you to recap what you have traveled from. But at the same time, you can turn and look in the other direction and get a sneak peek at what you're traveling into. Now I'm gonna be honest with you and myself. (laughs) When I'm finished ministering the word of God in this series, there will be very few who will move forward just because they're not going to embrace and reach the level of maturity that God is calling all of us into. Some are going to turn and go back, while others are going to just stay right here, camp out on the bridge in a stagnant state between two places, never really able to commit to God's agenda or Satan's agenda. Let me tell you, when you refuse to move forward in righteousness, not really committed to God or Satan, that's a terrible place to be. Now, those of you whose immediate thought, well, as at least they're not committed to Satan's agenda. Not really. If you're not committed to the righteousness of God, you are committed to Satan's agenda because you're neither hot nor cold. You're just lukewarm. And in Revelations 3, 15 and 16, the word reads, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. With that, you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, And neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's the word of God. Let's talk about how we ended up on this bridge with these two views of the past and the future and troubled waters to the left and the right, and the freedom laying ahead. The land on either side of the bridge, which represents God, is set between the wilderness and the land of freedom. Biblically, the land of freedom was referred to as Canaan. And believe it or not, God leads us into the wilderness for our own good. I promise you it'll make sense in a moment. Turn your Bibles with me to Exodus 13. Let me give you an overview of what is going on in this chapter. This chapter focuses on the Israelites being freed from their oppressor, who was the Egyptians. The Israelites served as slaves to the Egyptians for over 400 years, and God sent Moses to petition Pharaoh to let them go. Well, that didn't set well with Pharaoh, see, because free labor was the backbone of his economy. So every time Moses would tell him what God said, Pharaoh would refuse. And God would impose a plague of some kind on Pharaoh's kingdom. Finally, after Pharaoh's repeated refusal to free the Israelites from bondage, God sent a plague that would kill the firstborn of every living creature in Egypt under the rulership of Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh's livelihood was disrupted to the point that it cost him the life of his firstborn child, He released the Israelites from slavery. Now, I want you to note and stay with me. The Israelites were delivered, but they weren't free. What do you mean, Pastor? Deliverance is being released from an oppressor. Freedom is being released from oppression. Deliverance is a shift of one's physical state. Freedom is a shift of one's mental state. We were all born slaves, whether you were black, white, brown, yellow, pink or green, rich or poor. David tells us in Psalms 51 that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In other words, we were born slaves to sin. If we go back to the story in Exodus, you will see that once Pharaoh freed the slaves, his bitterness, set in, and likely his thought was that he had already lost the most valuable thing to a man, his firstborn son. So he really, at this point, was thinking, I have nothing else to lose. So he had a change of heart and decided that he and his army would go after the slaves and recapture them. And if you turn to Exodus 14 and 10, The scripture reads, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. If you drop down to verse 13, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm, You need only to be still. The song that we kicked off the service with this morning says, still waters run deep. And in verse 15, the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. Mm. When you drop down to verse 21, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen Followed them into the sea. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses followed God's instruction. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. And he stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back. Its place and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them, the scripture said, survived. I want to tell you this morning that although we were born slaves to sin, Like with the Israelites, God offers us a means of deliverance. And like they did, all we have to do is call out to him. And he will do miraculous things to save us from whatever holds us bondage. God offers us deliverance. But again, freedom requires our effort. A realigning of our free will with the will of God. A mind shift. I apologize if no one ever told you that freedom is not free. Freedom comes when you have been tried, tested, and proven yourself responsible to handle all that being free means. Stay with me. So here we are, we have the Israelites free from Egypt with the parting of the Red Sea being a tool used in the act of God's deliverance. And if you turn to Exodus 14, 30, it reads, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptian dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed that the Lord was God and his servant was Moses. Now, as the joy and the victory over the Egyptians began to settle, real life began to set in. Scroll with me. Exodus 15, 22. And the scripture reads, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. First of all, I just want y'all to pause and just imagine what these people had experienced, what the Israelites had experienced, what they had seen. They seen God open up the sea and the water pushed back like walls. And they were able to walk through on dry land. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine for a moment being able to see something so miraculous. But from there, they went where? Scripture says out into the wilderness. Why? For training the wilderness is training ground training and preparation for when god is getting ready to move you into a place of freedom a place where he can use you for his glory but you have to be trained you have to be deprogrammed see because what happens to slaves is their mentality encompasses the mentality that the oppressor put on them. But because the Israelites think the same as believers who have been delivered think today, that they should not have to go through anything, that they just get delivered and and, and they get the sashay into the land of freedom, and, and then on to the land of milk and honey. But there's a wilderness process. And in the wilderness, you're going to be faced with some challenges. Challenges that made them forget the grace and the mercy of God. They may, It made them forget the one who parted the Red Sea. They even begin to discount Moses as a servant of God. As they begin to complain and question the very mo the very motives of Moses, asking if he was trying to kill them. Did you bring us out here to die? They asked Moses. Let me give you a picture of what a wilderness experience looks like today. A wilderness experience is often a time of intensified temptation. In the wilderness, there's spiritual attack. It can involve a spiritual, financial, or emotional drought. It can involve a pandemic. Having a wilderness experience is not necessarily a sign that a believer is sinning. Rather, it's a time of God-ordained testing. In the wilderness is not the time to buy into crazy conspiracy theories asking questions like is the government trying to kill us maybe it's just me but my thought is this if you believe the word of God why is your first thought to find someone to blame for the very turmoil the word of God warns us about maybe it's just me We profess on Sunday morning while while we dance and we praise that God is in control. But by Monday morning, we need someone to blame for what God is in control of. Does our faith not extend beyond 11.59 p.m. on Sunday evenings? Either God is in control or he's not, people. Romans 8.28 tells us. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So my question to you is, do you love him? If you do, then recognize if he allowed it, then he's gonna work it out for your betterment. He's gonna work it out for your growth. He's gonna use it for your maturing the testing of those who profess to love him is gonna be used for the glory of God. It's gonna be used to elevate your position in the kingdom. For us to turn cold and respond to situations that occur in this world as the world does, makes your love for God questionable. God is looking for those who love and trust him enough when things get shaky, when they can't quite explain what's going on, when they don't know how the story is gonna end, when they can stand still on the word of God, they can still share love, they can still be an encouraging force of faith and feed off the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you maintain and feed off the fruit of the spirit in the times of turmoil? That's what it means to trust God. Let's go back to the wilderness where the Israelites were led At the first sign of trouble, the first time they were unable to quench their thirst, they began to slander the very one that they said they believed was a servant of God. As they complained, Moses cried out to the Lord. Obviously, he was the only one still walking with an ounce of faith in God. Scripture says when he cried out to God, God showed him a tree. And he took the tree and he cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet. Made sweet, meaning God provided a means of filtration. So that the water would now be drinkable. What amazed me is that the water was already there. So there was hope in place, but the Israelites could not see past their complacency to conjure up enough faith in God. The God that they witnessed parted the Red Sea to kill their enemy. They could see the water, but they could not conjure up enough hope, enough faith to pray and call on him who parted the Red Sea for them. They could have called on God and he would have did exactly what he did when Moses called on him. I say that to say this, sometimes we are quicker to complain, blame and degrade than we are to pray. As you continue to read Exodus chapter 16, you will see every time things did not go their way, they set out to complain and blame. They complained when they had. They complained when they didn't. When God was raining down bread from heaven They complained they wanted meat. And when he began to rain down quail, they did something just as bad as complaining. They took on the character of selfishness and began hoarding. Moses finally told them in Exodus 16 and 8, Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. When we complain, we complain against the one we serve. The one we put our faith in. So I have another question for you. Who is it that you serve? Where does your faith lie? If it's in God, then stop complaining and start praying. And don't complain about what you're not willing to sacrifice to fix. See, because when you pray to God, God answers prayers with directives and instructions and revelations that will require us to go to work and make some sacrifices. To get where God desires us to be, we have to learn how to live and move and operate in harmony with each other. Romans twelve sixteen through 18 says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. I'm going to re- repeat that. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. One walks in an ungodly spirit of arrogance. As my grandmother used to say, when they can sit on their fists and rear back on their thumbs, giving opinions on who should do what, when, and how. Most of us don't want the lead Because we know that the lead comes with a set of responsibilities, a call for sacrifices that we're not willing to take on. The problem is that we are most times too selfish and complacent to even be used to provide a push. There's an old song entitled All for One. And the lyrics say, it's your strength we need. So get behind and push if you don't want the lead because it's all for one and one for all. That's what God created us to be. To live in harmony. To stop complaining. To stop blaming. Pastor, why are you so hard on complaining and blaming today? because the act of complaining and blaming is tied to one's inability to be responsible and accountable for change. We keep waiting on a change, but we don't have sense enough to come in out of the rain. And these are the same attributes which feed and nurture slave mindsets, hindering those who have been delivered from actually being free. God led the Israelites into the wilderness in an attempt to transform their mindsets and to position them for freedom. Some of us are on the bridge between the wilderness and freedom, but the gates to the land of freedom require a passport that can only be stamped for entry once our minds have been transformed from behaving and acting like slaves to behaving and acting as free agents on assignment for the kingdom of God. Let me outline for you the mindset and behavior of a slave. Slaves don't see value in themselves. They allow their value to be determined by others. So they seek likes and applause and accolades from others. Slaves don't understand the value of anything is established by rarity. So they follow the trends. And because everyone else wears this, everyone else says that, or everyone else does this, they follow the trends and never seek to carry themselves as the rare gem. They were designed to be. Slaves gather as an excited group of worshipers, but have no depth. Slaves profess anointing, but have no character. Slaves profess gifts, but have no standard. Slaves profess power, but have no principles. Slaves are flashy, but lack faith. Slaves have brought into the perception that the principles of the Bible are antiquated. Slaves believe they can't maintain a love relationship without engaging in sexual activity that violates the mandate of God. Slaves make money and material things their priority. Slaves complain louder and more frequently than they pray. The mindset of a slave Blames the government. For their unemployment. The mindset of a slave. Blames alcohol and drugs. For their addiction. The mindset of a slave. Blames their spouse. For their infidelities. The mindset of slaves. Blame people for their depression. The mindset of a black slave. Blames a white man for his trouble. The mindset of a white slave. Blames a black man. For his trouble. The mindset of a poor slave blames the rich for them being poor. The essential problem with thinking like a slave is that it causes us to act and react as if our oppressor, and in today's world, that Satan himself, is greater than or has more to offer us than God. Which is why those in bondage Tear down instead of building up. Those in bondage don't lay foundations built on righteousness. Those in bondage set their goals on the things of this world instead of godly dominion. Those in bondage even taint the very word dominion with the perception that dominion has to do with controlling others and monopolizing wealth and resources. Those in bondage don't operate with the wisdom that dominion is an agenda of the kingdom of God. Those in bondage have more faith in traditions and rituals than they do in God. In the wilderness, where so many of us are, where we definitely, Or as a world, we're being tested and challenged to change, to shut down slave mentality that has been imposed on us by the oppressor of all oppressors, Satan. Satan wants to keep us playing the blame game, keep us not accepting responsibility, keep us whining more than praying keep us basking in an illusion of freedom as we live outside of the will of God, delivered but not free. Even Jesus had to spend time in the wilderness. Jesus, who was holy and sinless, had to engage in a moment of deliverance as he was baptized, Deliverance is required not only to cleanse us of sin because Jesus had no sin nature, but to prepare us for all that comes with the mantle of freedom. Turn with me to Matthew 3, 13 through 15. The scripture reads, most of us don't want to lead because we know that lead is That leading comes with a set of responsibilities and sacrifices we're not willing to take on. The problem is that we are most times too selfish and complacent to even be used to provide a push. Let's go to the scripture. As it tells us, Jesus' deliverance was done through water baptism which was a public confession of his acceptance of the Holy Spirit to come into his life. Verse 16 reads, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The scripture goes on and it says, and then immediately, in Matthew 4 and 1, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus, the bread of life, the living example of righteousness. The one who came to show us how to endure, had to endure the wilderness To prepare for his divine purpose. While in the wilderness, Satan tempted Jesus three times. The first temptation was concerning his appetite. Some of us would have failed that test immediately. Because we can't say no to certain foods. We can't say no to ungodly sex. We can't say no to gossip. Or anything that titillates our flesh. Our appetites need to shift. In order for God to use us and to take us to the next level. You have people picking up the mantle of ministry. But their appetites are still ungodly. They can't control their flesh. The second temptation tried Jesus to see if he had a love for power. We have those who look to use a godly platform to draw attention to themselves. Power tripping. Because they have so many likes and followers and and they begin to bask in their ability to influence, making their influence the center and not the word of God. The third temptation was to check if Jesus was a sellout. You know, in today's world, it would look something like this. You're very talented. You have an awesome voice. Oh my goodness. We want to sign you to our label and give you a million dollar bonus and, and get you right into the studio. But there's just one condition. We don't want you to use the word Jesus in your lyrics. You know, we want to keep it mainstream. Before God can move you into freedom, he has to be able to trust that you have enough discipline over your free will. That you won't flip the script on him when Satan comes dangling stuff. In your face. If you read Matthew chapter 4 in its entirety, you will see that every temptation Jesus overcame with the Word of God. Let me forewarn you there is no freedom without the knowledge of the Word of God. The desert is also often referred to as the wilderness in the Bible a place of testing and preparation. Many people experience desert time before being used by God. In Luke 1 and 80, we see John the Baptist lived in the desert until his public appearance to Israel. In Galatians 1, 15 through 18, it tells us that Paul spent time in the desert area of Arabia, before returning to Damascus and being used by God. In a wilderness experience, a believer may struggle simply to survive from day to day. Financial, material, physical, and emotional burdens may press on him. The flesh cries out for relief. The believer is forced to wait on the Lord the believer is forced to find God's peace and joy in the midst of trouble and through it all be mature enough to continue to walk with Christ. I want to tell you right now that I have been living a wilderness experience and it has not been easy but I knew exactly what it was. Not in the beginning. It took me a minute. But I'm holding on. And I'm pushing on. And I won't turn back. I'm going to keep ministering the word of God. I got to a place where I had prayed so much. Until I said, you know what? I'm not going to ask God for another thing I woke up one morning and I said, God, you know, my heart, you know, my needs, you know, my desires. And I know you have plans for me and I know, and I trust that you're going to work this all for my good and your glory. So what I'm going to start doing from this day until you bring me up out of this wilderness, I'm going to start praising you and giving you thanks. For what you're working in and through me. Giving you thanks for what you're preparing me to step into. That's how you go through a wilderness experience. Not one time did I seek to blame or rebuke Satan. Because I know if God allowed Satan to do anything to me, all I have to do is call on my father. That's not my fight. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, it tells us the reason for these trials, Paul says, is to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us, a wilderness experience is often linked to a mountaintop experience after the struggle follows a success of some kind, a victory of some magnitude. In order to get to the mountaintop, you gotta go through the wilderness. The period of trials come on the heels of a period of, of accomplishments of achievement. So stop blaming the devil when you're going through a wilderness experience. As soon as we don't like something or things get a little difficult, we start to claim it as the devil. Stop giving him so much credit for what God is trying to do in you. God is trying to work some things out in us. He's preparing us for greater. Dismiss that bondage mentality and recognize that to walk in the freedom of the Lord comes with a level of responsibility and accountability that requires that you go through some training over and over and over because he takes us from glory to glory. And before we go to any next level of glory, we have to be tried and trained. Look at how God allowed Satan to use Job. Look at all that Job lost. Why? Because God needed someone he could use as an example of devout Faith in him. He needed to be able to have an example of how it looks to ride or die with him. And when you can ride or die with God, when you can come through the wilderness. With faith in God, he will give you double for your trouble when you can pray instead of complaining, when bitterness doesn't consume your backbone, when you believe that he is your bridge over troubled waters. He can use you for his kingdom. The mindset of slaves are still under the tutelage of their oppressor and in this world, it's Satan the arch enemy of righteousness, the one who detests truth and wisdom. And it is the mindsets that he nurtures that have some professing I don't like to read. You know, even during the times of slavery in this country, those who longed for freedom took a chance, regardless of the consequences, to learn to read because they understood there is wisdom and revelation that is afforded us in written word. A few weeks ago, we talked about the power of communication. Reading is one of the most refined and defined means of getting to know the character, the will, and the ways of God. Tell me this, what job can you go on and just opt out and skip their training? What job can you go on and refuse to read their manuals? None. So how can anyone profess to be a servant of the kingdom of God or to even love God and in the same breath profess not to like to read? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2:15 2 study to show thyself approved. The last thing Satan wants is for us to commit to studying truth and learning about the character, the wills and the ways of God. If you have ever said or even thought I don't like to read, I charge you to rebuke that demon that feeds off of lack of wisdom. It is important that we shut down the mindset of oppression and bondage as a slave mind is equivalent to that of a child not willing to embrace responsibility, looking for handouts and freebies instead of seeking direction and revelation for a way out. God needs those of us who are on the bridge to stop gazing out over the waters, but to move forward towards freedom. He needs mature minded individuals who don't run from responsibility to build his kingdom and step into the positions of dominion. Ecclesiastics 10 and six reads, woe, To you, O land, whose king is a slave or a child. In other words, woe to those whose leaders are immature, selfish, and and maintain a childish mindset, never accountable, irresponsible in regards to their actions and reactions. God needs some real leaders that can stand on righteousness with principles rooted in the word of God. To be irresponsible is an abandonment of consciousness and is the ignorance of accountability. We have become a society of blamers, which is rooted in our unwillingness to hold ourselves accountable for our actions and reactions and our lack of action. And when we can't find someone to blame, we blame the devil. We blame the devil for our cars being repossessed, our homes being foreclosed on. And the devil is saying, I I, I didn't touch your house or your car. Actually, I'm not really into taking material things, I'm more about controlling you with material things. But we don't want to hold ourselves accountable for what is true that we mismanaged our finances. And we got behind in our bills and the folks that actually owned our cars and our houses took them back. Instead, we want to rebuke the devil and call on Jesus, the one who has continuously provided grace and mercy. You know, the one who we repay by robbing him because we see no need to walk in faith. We see no need to believe that tithing assists his word in going forth. We don't want to commit to God, but we want him to commit to us in times of turmoil. We blame the devil for our children running amok, And now we're calling on Jesus to save little Johnny, when the truth is you thought it was cute to teach him how to dance and recite rap lyrics but never taught him the Lord's Prayer. You, the parent, never saw the need to teach him who to call on in times of need. Oh, we know how to shift blame and accept no responsibility. But God is saying this morning, let's take it to the bridge. Let's get a new melody a new rhythmic line in place. Slavery for the Israelites started in Egypt. The Red Sea was a tool God used in their deliverance. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines wilderness as a pathless region. So why would God send Israelites, even Jesus, into a pathless region after deliverance so that they would learn to survive based solely on his word, his will, his way, so that they could rely on him to lay their path. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Because they would not let go of that slave mentality. Because they would not let go. The joy of freedom was held back for 40 years. Now I want to make it perfectly clear. That the land of freedom doesn't mean you will not experience trouble. Or that everything will be peaches and cream. As children of God, I hate to tell you, Satan's mission is to always upset your peace, to lure you back into bondage. What it means to walk in freedom is to dismiss the slave mentality and to change how you handle turmoils and trouble. When you no longer have the same perception of those who are bound... In the midst of the storm, you will have peace because your faith is aligned with the will and the ways of God. When you walk in the freedom that God is offering, your words in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the turmoil, when the world is going crazy, your words that you speak will encourage rather than rally complaints. Your actions and reactions will motivate rather than aggravate. Freedom is rooted in our ability to trust God, to create our paths, not to conduct ourselves as the world does. Freedom comes with a light that shines. Freedom comes with the tools to build and exalt the kingdom of God. Harriet Tubman was quoted as saying, I freed thousands of slaves, and I could have freed more, if only they knew they were slaves. She wasn't referring to their physical state of being, but their mental state. The first step to living out the freedom of God is acknowledging that you're bound. It's time for believers, especially, to grab on to responsibility, to hold themselves accountable, to shift our minds, to either take the lead or get behind and push, to exalt unity, not strife, to exalt prayer, not complaints. The view from the bridge should provide revelation as the direction in which we should travel. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, oh God, for your word today. We have had a view from the bridge. Lord, we don't want to turn back into bondage, nor do we want to build a camp on this bridge. Lord, we recognize that deliverance is granted, but freedom costs. And that cost comes with the acceptance of responsibility and accountability. Lord, help us to align our lives with your purpose. Give us the fortitude, the aptitude, and the attitude Required to transform our minds to be accountable for our actions, our reactions, our lack of actions. Lord, guide and direct all that we do so that it is done for the glory of your kingdom. We give you honor. We give you glory. And we say amen, amen, and amen. We thank you for joining Bible Deliverance this morning. Please subscribe, submit your prayer requests, begin steps to salvation or so into this ministry by visiting our website at www.bibledeliverance.org. Be blessed. Now y'all gotta move on this one.
1: you are ready to step? Here we go. Step into the joy of the Lord. 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 I need somebody to step the Lord. Step into the joy of